Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. All things are possible with God. In this episode, Pastor Andrew unveils a process for better understanding our expectations of God's miracles in our life. Over the last month since we've come back from down south, God has been just re-emphasizing that we have moved off our place of possibility thinking, expecting God to do the awesome. We really need to bring the expectation of all things are possible with God right into the here and now, so we as a church are on the cutting edge. God is wanting to build a church. And he's wanting to build his church through us. Not just us, but he seriously wants to build his church through us. I'm picking up all the possibility passages today. You would be surprised at how few of them are. But there's one in the Old Testament from Zechariah that talks about rebuilding the temple. And God is speaking to Zerubbabel, who we heard about today and his team, a small team, and said, what seems impossible, right, what seems impossible to a small remnant of people is not impossible for God. And they began to rebuild the temple of God. And you see, God is in the business of building. He's a builder. And he wants to build a new church. You know, the church has difficulties and troubles. And God is wanting to take a hold of a small group of people to really do something awesome in our day, in our hour, and through us. So there's only about three or four passages in the New Testament that talks about the impossibility being done. There's repeats, of course, because each gospel has the same stories. So we have the story of the rich man who has been told to sell everything he had and give it to the poor, which made him really unhappy. And then Jesus making the comment how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. Jesus finishes by saying, with God, everything is possible. The next story comes in the boy who was possessed. And the disciples decided to try and help, couldn't. Father comes to Jesus in a state, and Jesus basically says to him, anything is possible if you believe. Anything. Think about it. Anything is possible if you believe. 
Just give a thought to a moment about some of the impossible things around you. In your life, in the lives of others around you. I'm sure when this father came to Jesus, he was at the end of his tether. And Jesus puts it back on him. If you believe. And you know what he says? I believe, but help my unbelief. Have you ever had trouble with unbelief? This sort of tension. We believe in God and we believe him. And then that element of doubt. Will he do it? Can it happen? How can it happen? Miracles are incredible. So we need to breach the doubts in our life. The boy was healed. Then we've had the mustard seeds. If you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to the mountains, move out of here, or the mulberry tree, clear out. And Jesus says, nothing will be impossible for you. And I remember a parish in Melbourne where we had been pushing the issue of all things are possible and all things are possible for you. And obviously it must have got to one of our team because and we had this on the whiteboard, all things are possible. But they put only with God, right? Only with God. Now that is actually not what Jesus said. Yes, he has said that. But here he says, nothing will be impossible for you. So we're in the mix. We're part of the process. Our expectation, our faith, our stepping out on God is part of the process of living in the miracle-working power of God. Living in the element of possibility. Now, there are a couple of exceptions. I don't know if you have discovered that we live in a technological age. I'm reading from an iPad and I'm about to use my iPhone. In the book of Genesis, we have the story of the Tower of Babel where God confused the language. Because of their unity, God says this, Nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. These are not God-believing people. That nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them because of their unity. So human beings have this incredible power in their soul that together with unity and one another can do impossible things. We have all these impossible things going on out there. Things that are unbelievable. Things that we wouldn't have thought about half a century ago. God came down, according to the story, and confused the language to break the unity. And you know that in our day and age, there's a new non godly unity out there and there are a couple of common languages 
But I was reminded, watching an ad a couple of nights ago, that it actually doesn't matter anymore. Let me show you. Hey Siri, translate for me, I want curry chicken for lunch today in Chinese. In Mandarin Chinese, I want curry chicken for lunch today is... So what do you think? We have common language. We have even the ability now, even if we have different language, to still talk with one another. So simply doing the impossible is not just a godly thing. But when it comes to us, when it comes to the church, and when it comes to Christianity, we're talking about doing God things for his kingdom, which seem to be and are probably and almost incredibly impossible. To build a church when you don't have the resources is impossible. But we're sitting in one, aren't we? In God, all things are possible. Now, there's one other impossible thing I find extremely sad. And it comes out of Hebrews 6. And it's a sentiment that I'm not sure I pick up anywhere else in the New Testament, but it is very sobering. And the writer is getting really serious, and he says this. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God, and by rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again, and holding him up to public shame. What a sobering thought. When God has given so much, and he's talking about people who have had so much from God, have walked so long with God, have walked so close with God, and then to walk away. And if you walk away, it's not easy coming back and you need somebody in your face to actually make you aware of just what you've done. I hope that that's not impossible to bring them back. We need to walk with him. And we need to walk with our God in humility. So how do we get back on that edge of possibility? I picked up Oral Roberts' book, The Miracle of Seed Faith, again last night. And he says there are three principles. Three principles of what he calls seed faith. And the first principle is this. If you've got a need, financial, relational, physical, whatever, you need to know that God is the source of your provision. He's the source of the answer to your need. In Philippians 4.19 it says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in the glory of Christ Jesus. My God will supply all your needs. 
And he makes the point that we often think our finance comes through our boss or our pension or our superannuation. They are the instruments by which God provides for us. They're not the source. Right? Our job, our income, our investments and all those things are not the source of our provision. God is the source of our provision. They are just simply instruments by which he provides and there are more than simply those things. God is able to provide for us all of our needs according to what he has done in the glory of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, Paul says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. So when Jesus went to the cross, it was not just to breach our sin, to breach the penalty for our sin, to breach the principalities and powers. He went there so that you and I can be rich. Awesome stuff. He went there so you and I can be rich. Arul wants to make it clear that we need to know the difference between the source, which is God, and the instruments by which he makes that provision available to us. The second principle is give that it may be given you. Jesus says in Luke 6.38, Give and you receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. The amount you give will determine the amount that you get back. And in Acts 20, 35, Jesus is quoted as saying, it is more blessed to give than receive. Now, Receiving is really awesome. How many times have you said, oh, you shouldn't have? Well, actually, they should have. Because you know something? They get the blessing. You think you're the blessed one beginning the receiver. But the blessed one is the one doing the giving. God has awesome things for those who give. God has a law of sowing and reaping that is seriously not restricted to farmers. You see, what Oral is saying to us is you need to sow the seed of giving. Yes, financially, and even financially, you're actually giving of yourself. But whatever your need might be, if it's relational, then give time. There are different ways, but give and it will be given back to you. And you know we are surrounded by seeds. 
And one of the problems that we have is that when we are hurt, broken, misused and abused by others, we close our hearts down. We can become bitter and resentful. However, that destroys us more than it destroys them. But you know what it does? It stops us sowing the seeds of giving. We close our hearts down and it costs us dearly. We need to reopen our hearts and give to God and to others. Sowing into his kingdom and blessing others as we are led by the Spirit of God. You know, a lot of Christians say, oh, I know I should give, but I shouldn't really expect to have anything back for it. You're not expecting anything back from the person you're giving to. It is God who gives back. That's his promise. It's not their promise. You go and help someone who needs help, don't expect them to come back and give back to you. They didn't promise that. God promised that. And he will bring back what we give to others and what we give to him. Now, you see, we need to expect God to respond. We need to expect God to return it. We need to expect a miracle, or more than a miracle, many miracles. You know, when a farmer sows his seed, he actually expects to get a crop. He doesn't sow a seed and say, oh, I really shouldn't have a crop this year. If he didn't want a crop, why sow the seed at all? It's just nonsensical. So this is what farmers do about the seeds that they sow. They make sure the seed is fresh. Farmer told me once that if you leave a bag of wheat seeds on the veranda, for five years, they become sterile. So you can plant them, but nothing's growing. Or they're growing, but it's not going to produce any wheat. We can't rely on something we gave last year. Our giving has to be ongoing, and it has to be fresh. And it has to be now. You keep your giving fresh. You keep it current. Farmers hope for rain. They understand that without rain, that crop is not coming. And they are so anxious about it. And Oral says when it comes to the miracles that we need, prayer is our rain. You need to pray over the seeds that you've sown. You need to pray for him to respond. You need to remind him, Lord, you asked me to give. I've sowed the seed. I need you to move it. I need you to work. I need you to capitalize on it. Prayer. And you know what farmers do? They watch hard. They just don't leave the crops in the ground and think, oh, okay. They are out 
constantly looking at the seeds, seeing how they're going, watching what they're doing. They're out there staring at the ground, staring at the crops, staring at the plants. They want this thing to grow. They want this thing to produce fruit. They want to reap a harvest. And we need to learn from that that we have to expect miracles. We have to expect God to act and do something. Now, just let me put this little proviso. Sometimes we can get on the wrong end of the stick. We step out in faith. We think we've got the thing right. Only to find out that God is saying, no, I'm not going to do it. Not this one. And you need to take notice when God says no. Because if he's saying no, he's looking after you. If it's not coming, I've sowed the seed, I'm given like it's going out of style, I'm expecting, I'm praying, and nothing's happening. At least at one point, ask God, do you want to do this one? And if he says no, then okay, I'm taking your wisdom, I'm taking your advice, I'm going to put it on hold. But I will come back to it later. But if he says yes, then expect that miracle. Really expect it. Stare it out until it comes. Can I just read you the number of things that the song All Things Are Possible actually tells us to do? To capitalize on making impossible things happen in the here and now. So here it is. God Almighty is our Redeemer and Saviour, our safe refuge. No power can stand against us. Our feet are planted on a rock. We will not be shaken. Our hope comes from Jesus alone. His praise is always on our lips. His word lives in our hearts. We praise him with a new song. Our souls will bless him. He fills our hearts with greater joy. We take delight in him. When we are weak, he makes us strong. When we are poor, we know we're rich. For in the power of his name, all things are possible. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Now, rather than praying, I'm going to read that again. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to grab the one statement that grabs you. You know, I know you need miracles. I know you've asked for them. I know you want them. And to get expectancy going, one of these phrases may be the key to break it open for you. Don't grab them all. 
Grab the one that strikes you the most. God Almighty is our Redeemer and Saviour, our safe refuge. No power can stand against us. Our feet are planted on this rock. We will not be shaken. Our hope comes from Jesus alone. His praise is always on our lips. His word lives in our hearts. We praise him with a new song. Our souls will bless him. He fills our hearts with greater joy. We take delight in him. When we are weak, he makes us strong. When we are poor, we know we're rich. For in the power of his name, all things are possible. Jesus, you died on a cross for us. You took poverty upon yourself that we indeed might be rich. Breach unbelief in our hearts, our lives, and help us to expect great things from you. We ask this in your name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au.